Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I've pressed record. Alan, have you pressed record? Recording, recording. Well, then two recordings makes what? A podcast. Now, I'm technically not here. Mm, I was wondering that. <laughs> I mean, I am here. Obviously, everyone can hear me, but this is this is me coming from the from the ether. From beyond. Sort of podcast heaven. I've just sort of come... It's like... I suppose it's like The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy has a dream and she sees all the people who were in her life. I'm, I'm now saying to you, hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. Would you like me to do some choral music under this? Chris, I know I'm no longer with you and I've gone to over to Alan Cummings Shells, but... I'd like you to look back at all the lovely clips of the happy times and the great interviews we did together on Homo Sapiens so you'll always be able to remember me and you always can come and listen to this and I'll never be farther than a podcast away. Oh, Alan, that sounds swell. (laughs) And your little dog. (laughs) Was that a Cindy Lauper impression? (laughs) It was a bit like her. Hey, you better get yourself together for a gay guy. You are just out of here. Um, What we thought we'd do, listeners, for this episode is play you all our favourite clips from our time together interviewing the great and the good of the LGBTQ plus community and beyond. I'm actually really looking forward to just uh, hearing some of these again. Reminiscing. You know, we've got... We have the lovely Tan France. We do. Looking forward to hearing from him and about uh, his uh, his coming out and telling his mum and dad he had a terminal illness. I mean, only Tan could do that. We've got Stephen Fry. Oh, Stephen Fry, of course, talking about many things: celibacy, damp areas. Uh, I just it was such a lovely interview, and also just what was nice about him saying how much he enjoyed. Listening to Homo sapiens, of course, is very nice. Yeah, um, exactly. I'd like to say that Hannah Gadsby has still not sent me a bum bag. <gasps> when I was in Australia, she got in touch and we were actually going to meet up. And I thought, oh, she's bound to bring it now. She's bound to bring it now. She's just being a long tease. She never... Well, actually, what happened was that I had to go home because of COVID. There was a COVID outbreak. Bloody so we never pandemics. Bloody COVID. It stood between me and my Hannah Gadsby bum bag yet again. You've reminded me that, mm. Sa- that the other person who hasn't gotten back to us is Sandy Togsvik. What was she supposed to do? She was going to come on the show. She's never been on. Never been on. 
What the hell? Anyway, so she's not in the best of, listeners. <laughs> no, but she's not. I'll rattle <laughs> off a few names. Who is? Tough tits to you, Sandy. Travis Alabanza, Beth oh. Ditto, Munro Bergdorf, Patty Smith, Mel C. Debbie Harry. Woo! Travis talking about, well, the basis of their show up and someone threw a burger. Mm. Kind of an awful and hilarious. I mean, kind of in a way, what a lot of the stuff that uh, is that we talk about on Homo Sapiens is awful and hilarious at the same time. That's the thing isn't it it's never cut and dry and in terrible things is humor but also out of terrible things come some of the most amazing things that ever happened to you absolutely it's sort of like i was just thinking earlier today i was talking about being scottish and we have a saying in scotland is that you, you have to laugh or you'd greet you know greet greet mm. means crying and i think it's a really good thing that you're actually you're admitting that there's terrible things right but yeah. you're also saying let's choose to laugh about them instead yeah. i think that's a really you have to laugh or you'd greet I yeah. think that's great. I'm really glad I come from a country that's in touch with its dark side, but uses humour to make it feel better. It's the way forwards. It's how I've got through many dates in my years. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> should we play our listeners our first clip, Alan? Let's do it. Bring it on. Here's Tam France. Just hearing the way you guys spoke to our tech person on this call really did surprise me thinking, gosh, I don't know if I could get away with that. But yeah. apparently you guys can. Well done, you. It was just I said he looked like someone that I knew. <laughs> and who was the person you said it was, though, Alan? Come on. He, he, he's, he's, a, he's a porn star. And you suggested he Google him. And there aren't just <laughs> any, like, chic headshots of this person. There are. I said to him it goes to the first page of the website and you see a picture of him. Yes, with, of a penis only. No, he, <laughs> anyway, I'm literally Googling this person right now. I won't say it. Brace yourselves, people. The first image that comes up is this. Oh, that's a penis. Oh, that's <laughs> a penis in someone's mouth. Oh, well. <laughs> I know one when I see one. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this will work in America because I don't know how it's pronounced, but you know the herb, cumin? Cumin, yeah. yeah. Cumin, yeah. Yeah. So my friend's mum made us some... Uh, something to eat when we were like 14 yeah and I was like oh it's really nice just being polite like well how did you make it and she was like oh I made it with cumin (laughs) (laughs) I remember just looking at this woman in the eyes no wonder I like it so much (laughs) I did something really stupid when I told my family I was gay and Okay, I'm just going to tell you. Uh, one of them, I told them I was really terminally ill. No. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God. And I'm Time so sorry. I'd already, I'd already come out to two of them and we thought that this might be a funny way of doing it because then they're like, oh my God, that's the worst. Cry, cry, cry. And they're like, JK, I'm just gay. And then they can't be that upset because you're like, well, you said whatever needs to be to happen wow. to make you stay alive well this is it i've just happened to be gay i'm not dying and how did it go i mean my siblings are all really playful we're all, we always find humor wherever we can and so thankfully it we laughed about it later on that evening i can't believe you were stupid enough to tell me that. oh one. my god that is so hilarious <laughs> wow. and awful i'm just painting a picture of you now it's awful but i'm like well at least i'm still alive like That's i ain't true. dying i'm just not living the life that you That's thought true. i was gonna live the first couple of weeks of the show coming out there was this campaign image that they used and i would get almost every day you look like alan coming or the guy from wham uh, <laughs> not 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 uh, george michael oh andrew ridgely cool, he's a always one of those two not too shabby oh, then see that now. <laughs> not too shabs at all not too shabs at all it's and the funny not... thing is alan the the 
the strange, strange thing that the American media did was that they didn't, they couldn't place me. I don't look, uh, I don't look like a white person, obviously, uh, but I speak like an English person. And mm. apparently a lot of race people don't understand. No, or probably they don't grasp that don't at all. Yeah. You can have a brown person with an English accent. Yeah. And so every press outlet within the first few weeks said the Scottish cast member Tab friends. <laughs> and so finally Netflix had to reach out to them all saying, you've got to stop calling him Scottish. He's not Scottish at all. But no. if you don't speak like Hugh Grant, apparently you're Scottish. How funny. So where exactly are you from? I'm from South Yorkshire, uh, a place called Doncaster. Oh. Have you ever been? Yes, I've been to Doncaster. Yeah. There's yes. a train station. Yeah. Um, a change and, there, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's got the highest rate of pregnancy in the UK, or at least it did have teenage pregnancy in the UK. At least it did when I was there. <laughs> Is that coincidental? Yes. <laughs> I was very active as a teen. Um, didn't really know where I was going with my life. And then it also had the highest rate of sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. So also my fault. Um, <laughs> so I decided to leave <laughs> at 17. Yeah. The town has seen enough of me. You said a lovely thing, Tam, which was, and uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said you felt like you sort of had to choose between being brown and being gay, that they were yeah. two things that you had to cope with. But yeah. I also wanted to ask you about one other thing, which is that did you also slightly have to come out about being into fashion? Because <laughs> oh, that yeah. is such a thing that like... Yeah you don't want to talk about because it makes you a bit gay, you know? Yeah. Uh, actually, that I'm, I'm not uh, lying when I say this. I'm not saying it for dramatic effect. It was harder for me to tell my uh, my parents that I wanted to study fashion than telling them I was gay. <laughs> the, oh, my gosh. The, in my culture, and you're both from the UK, so you must know some Asian people. Yeah. We are usually forced to be doctors or lawyers or something yeah in that academic space. And so when you tell them you want to do something creative, they've mm. never known that in their community before. And so you're doing something so shocking. Like, why would we have emigrated to this country for you to do something so, <laughs> uh, so crazy, so, uh, so out there and so uncertain. And so telling them that was actually difficult. Telling my mom I was gay was a case of, you know me, you know that this has been me my whole life. Uh, there's nothing that's going to change. I will still be the same person. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. No problem. Mm. But telling her I was choosing fashion, that was a choice. I was choosing to not be a doctor. And that was a real oh. difficulty. Like, she literally slapped me. <gasps> Did she really? Because yeah. didn't you... But um, not to paint you as a liar in this podcast, but you've spoken <laughs> about it before. But didn't you also not tell her that you went to fashion college? Yes, I also did not tell her <laughs> until I graduated. That? Well, I, so I was meant to study psychology... And because uh, some of my other siblings did and uh, and they were very smart and they had interests that I had no interest in. And so my family didn't want me to do anything creative. I wanted to go to art college and they said, no, you're going to go study psychology. So that's what I did. The first few months I hated so much. And so I decided to drop out and instead I signed up for fashion and went to fashion college and spent the next three years working on that. And then telling my parents every day, no, I'm, I'm uh, I'm still going to college. I'm enjoying it. It's hard work. You know me in academia. And then finally on graduation, <laughs> when I was taking my family to my graduation, the others went separately. I took my mom with me. And in the car, uh, I said, hey, uh, I'm not, I, you're going to be a little bit shocked when you come to my graduation today. I'm not graduating. But it was the same college, was it? It was a di complete different college. Oh my like, God. One of them was, yeah, you're going to be really confused by this, but we're not going to, 
my regular college one, we're going to this different one. Well, why are we going to this different one? Well, I'm not actually graduating in psychology. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? I'm graduating in fashion and literally slapped the shit out of me whilst I was driving. So <laughs> I had to go over like, whoa! Whilst I, like, slapped the shit out of me as if I had told her I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hilarious. Oh, my God. No wonder you yeah. told them you were dying. Ah, uh, that was so nice. Who's up next, Chris? Hannah Bumbag Gadsby. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, lack of Bumbag Gadsby, actually. Sorry, I should clarify. I don't mean that rudely for anyone who doesn't know. It's just that she owes Alan a bumbag. That's all I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here she is, not talking about that. Talk, she's talking about some lovely things. Uh, an, an analogy about onions in a soup. I really I like. just love that and she manages to fuse really important stuff while making you laugh loads and do you remember she came to your house it was yeah. amazing and then I remember she recognised my suitcase which I thought was really amazing did she? and we showed her around yeah she recognised it because we'd, we'd met at this retreat thing and we all got little suitcases uh, as a present and she saw mine in my dressing room and I was like, what? And then she, I was like, oh, my God, that's right. As she talked about her autism is that, it, you know, there's certain things you can really remember and mm. really focus on uh, that other people would not even kind of realize. So It's a superpower. It really is. Yeah. And she is super. Here's Hannah Gadsby. I remember, I think, first or second night, a proper ticket-paying audience to see this show. I got the most brutal heckle. Um, and it was just after I'd revealed that, you know, the sequence of trauma, the list yeah. of trauma. And then I started to speak about Picasso. And this bloke just goes, when was that, though? <laughs> I said, sorry, what? He said, when did that happen, though? And I'm like, but Picasso? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, why do you ask? Just curious? And because I'm, I'm heightened, because I just, you know, and I'm just like, just curious. Of course, you're curious. That is what a question is, you asshole. <laughs> like you don't ask a question if you're not curious. <laughs> I'm curious. Why did you ask that question? Like it was just like, and I could see just people, like my, you know, because my manager was there, and there's a few other people because they knew this was like a sh- they knew before I did what this show was, right. and how sort of dangerous it was to put this into a room. Yeah. And I could sort of see them sort of running around <laughs> telling people to put their phones away. Um, <laughs> and so like, and so it's this hot moment. And I said, you know, of course you're curious. You just asked a question, you asshole. And he's like, when was it? And I was, it was 1932. He's sick. It's not, it's not relevant. And I, and so then I just, I literally tore him a new asshole. Like, and people still, like, who went to that show still talk about it. They've never seen a female performer shut down a man wow. in that way. Like, because it was, because I had, <laughs> like, he, what he didn't know was I had a whole, whole show ready to pile onto that. So I just piled the whole show onto that man as an individual. And it's like, mm-hmm. there's one, and there's one, and there's one. But his heckle felt like an act of violence. Right. Because I've just gone, <clears throat> oh, I've been raped. Yeah. I've been beaten. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Right. And I'm like, yeah. here is how it does. And right. it was, but I did not like that. But was, sure. he, was, he was also, was he referring to the Picasso bit? Yes. Because there's that bit, just for anyone who hasn't seen it, like it's the bit where you say Picasso was a 40 year old man having a relationship with a 17 year old girl. Yeah. And that was all deemed okay. And then what you build on from there is brilliantly yeah. explaining why she 
it's that she's in her prime, isn't it? That's yeah. what it builds yeah, around. It's, it's like, incredible. It doesn't, doesn't yeah. matter. And I mean, we're seeing this play out with the Epstein case. Absolutely. So, like, mm. just so tone deafly. But the, what that, that moment did for me was to go, oh, I know what I'm doing has is so much bigger than me. Mm. So much bigger than me. Because, like, for a guy to sit in that audience and go, no, my voice needs to be heard. <laughs> right, at that. Like, and I'm like, so what that did to me was, like, to then focus on the form in order to hold the content. Mm. I see. Very much became then a show about trauma. Yes. And, you know, the way that, because I still believe the way we tell our stories focuses on trauma itself. And that is why we don't get released from trauma because we keep talking about the trauma and nobody ever goes, but there's life after trauma. Mm. It flavors the life after trauma. Yes. And like, it doesn't go away. You just learn how to handle it better. And you, when it comes back, those emotions, you can embrace them and deal with them, but it's not like something that's sorted out and gone. No. And I think that's something that people don't understand here. No, my grandmother had a saying, it's like, <clears throat> it's all part of the soup. <laughs> Too late to take the onions out now. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yeah, so the way, using that, the way I understood it is like, oh, trauma, under, when you haven't dealt with your trauma, the onions are still raw. <laughs> so when, you know, you don't take the onions out. You learn how to absorb it. And it's part of your soup. Like it flavors your onions. soup. Yeah. So it's like you need a bit of onion. But, but you know, the, it's, it's the unfair amount of onions that go in, you know, that's trauma. And so you can't possibly cook the onions because it's all onions. Your soup is just onions. Right. <laughs> I'm really taking this metaphor. No, no, you're really going time. for it. Because it's almost like <laughs> even though it's just a bit of onion, <clears throat> it flavors the whole thing. Yeah. In, in yeah. But you can't ring fence and go, oh, well, this bit hasn't been affected by trauma because it's not related or it's yeah. not this. So it's yeah. all through. It, it is all through. It's all part mm. of Absolutely. your soup. And I think that's, I like, I like the soup analogy because... Yeah. Uh, Does that uh, make therapy vegetables? Because you can't even, if you take, <laughs> if you take... No, oxtail. Um, so if you take, like, it's that sort of thing. It's the same, like, if you take the onion, you can take the actual physical onions out of the soup, but it is still fruit soup. It's in still there. there. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. More delights, more pleasures. Alan, hey, what have we got coming up next, I ask you? I think it's Stephen Fry, our lovely friend Stephen Fry, and who's just a national treasure. But we interviewed him when uh, in London when I was doing that play at the Old Vic. Yes. I remember it was in it. We had lovely, um, there was chocolates on the table. I was just thinking that. I remember the chocolates. I, because <laughs> I was like, who brought, put chocolate in this room? It's very swish for Homo sapiens. Normally it's a Rivita. A bucket of water in the corner we can share. 
if people knew me in through the early part of the 80s, one of the things they knew about me was that I was a so-called celibate, which wasn't really true. <laughs> well, it was, but not in, the, in any dedicated sense. I, um, Jonathan Meads, who was a writer, he was a very fine writer, but at the mm. time was an associate editor or something, of the Tatler. I was embarrassed to admit that I'm... Anyway, he called me up and said, I'm uh, commissioning people to do a series of articles about things they don't do. So Kevin Stamp is doing something about how he never goes on holiday or so-and-so is writing something about how he doesn't drive. And Is there anything you don't do? And I said, no, I do everything. I'm sort of proud of it. I said, oh, well, I don't really do sex very much. I don't really do it at all at the moment. And he said, oh, I can write that. <laughs> so, so I wrote this kind of screed against sex. I remember doing this thing about how, um, how extraordinarily cruel it was of nature or God and or God to, to make the areas of investigation and excitement in, in the human body sexually the same as those that are the, the excreting areas. It's, it's, uh, it's like a Gestapo officer torturing a British person saying, there's your lunch, and then throwing it into a cesspit. And you go, well, you know, and I say, well, everything is in these damp, tufted areas. I remember the phrase I used. And, uh, and so it, it caused quite a stir as an article. And so, as it were. So, so I got associated with it. And indeed, I was so busy. I was writing, doing so much stuff. I was so excited to be in the world I was in, of writing and performing and comedy and other such things, that... Um, that I never really stopped to, to, to have a partner at all, not for ages and ages. And it wasn't until I had the awful experience in the 90s, in the mid-90s, um, a quarter of a century ago now, when I was in a play and I walked out. And, oh, uh, you and, yeah. and this is when I had to start examining my mind and what was going on with me and why it was going wrong and why I was unhappy when I was at the top of my um, kind of game that I had set myself. I had, I had achieved things that I never dreamed I would or met people and done things. Everything should have been wonderful. Every light was green and yet I was in a state of terrible misery and distress. And so, and then weirdly it was a, almost exactly the time I was cast in the film to play Oscar Wilde um, that, that, that I met uh, uh, my first boyfriend really since, uh, since the one the one at Cambridge. So um, you need to hand back your and then, card. Yeah. And what, but do you make, are you making a connection between that sort of breakdown after that play and... and, and I think so. Sex, I think I realised that one of the things who I was unhappy about was that I was lonely. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I really was. And why do you think it went... Why do you think you let it go so long? A lot of it was fear of... Uh, you know... I've heard on this podcast and things, you know, the question about uh, what, you know, why, what, what is it the homophobic people, and why do gay people self-oppress so much? And so, and all these questions we ask. And the, the, the thing I've thought for a long time is, is that sex is funny and weird and frightening and <laughs> strange and delightful, and, uh, but it has nothing like the power and importance of love, and love is much more frightening. And I'm sure that what homophobes really can't bear is the idea that two men will love each other, yeah. two women. Yeah. And a lot of people, straight people I know, whose marriages fall apart, there's a sort of resentment they have to gay people because... They followed the rules. They went down the path that you're supposed to go down. They, 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 they had a house and a family and children, and it, it, it was difficult. Mm -hmm. And they have now gay friends who've been together for twice as long as their marriage lasted. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think it's 
because gay people have allowed themselves to love each to, to realize that it's about love yeah, I mean, yes of course there's you know all the dirtiest aspects of grinder and things and people are having a good good evening or a good weekend or a, you know a chemsex weekend in Dalston that makes your eyes water but 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 generally speaking there is also an acceptance now amongst gay people that it's not just about sex you know yeah. and i i remember saying this in um when, when i was asked to talk bizarrely in parliament not in commons obviously but in st stephen's hall or, um when there was uh, one of these uh, equalizing the age of consent oh, yeah. debates it was yeah. edwina curry bless her who was actually admitted a private member's bill she, she was banging away with john major all that she was our friend too yes <laughs> and uh, but um i yeah one of the mps said but what do you do and uh, I said, I said yeah, well, you can talk about anal sex, but if you want to talk about anal sex, well, I'm the first to admit that 95, at least, percent of the population are mostly heterosexual, uh, which is a vast number of people. And if you type the word anal into a search oh bar, a, anal wives comes up a long way before oh. anal boys of any kind or anal men of yes. any kind. You know, so if, if, if your real objection is to sodomy, as you keep pretending, then you must attend to the, the, where it happens most, which yes. is in your... Uh, but yeah. honestly, what you're scared <laughs> of is... Exactly. <laughs> what you're scared <laughs> of is love. Head to Do you know that uh, show in America, or, or is it... Yeah, it was called Mr. and Mrs. here, but they called it something else in America. And there's a famous one of these old shows and clips of, like, you know, funny moments of television. And it's like, the lady's inside a little cabinet with headphones on, and the man's answering the yes. questions, you know. And it goes, uh, <laughs> uh, no, maybe the other way around. And she's answering the questions. And, and, and the announcer goes, uh, where is the strangest place you've had sex? And she goes, up the ass. <laughs> <laughs> they were Cadbury's roses. Were they? Yeah. His agent brought them. It's when we all realised we should be sacking our agents. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, this next person, I, I really remember this interview so well. I thought they were just... So witty and clever and open and such an inspiration, actually. Travis Alabanza. I can't remember how we got to know Travis. Do you? Travis came to my attention because of their show burgers being a sort of online sensation. And I started following Uh, them on Instagram. That was it. And I love the way they dress. They just felt like somebody who had something... This is about four years ago, something really fresh and original to say. And still, still, it holds up. (laughs) Yes, it does. But it feels like what I love about Travis and knowing a bit about Travis is that the world has caught up with what Travis was trying to say a while ago. Yeah, basically, yeah. We've all finally got with the programme, got with the Travis programme. Yeah, well, let's have a listen. When the show did a tour of the UK, we um, did this thing called Trans Talks, where I invited trans audience members before the show to come and eat Mm. vegan, this time, vegan burger and chips, Mm. with me. And I'd ask them about their experiences outside. And what we found is we interviewed like 200 or so trans people and Mm. like 40 of them had had food thrown at them in public. So for me, it was sad, but also healing to know that like this moment that I thought was like out of this world enough to make a show was unfortunately like quite a common occurrence for people, you know? Yes. Because I think what happens so much in life is really shocking things happen to you and you just there's something in you that pulls you into like don't react keep moving or yeah. whatever and then you're like oh it's it, it, for me it like honestly can hit me two days later exactly that because i was with you know i was date i was with my partner at the time 
And I remember like, I got home from work and they were like, how was your day? I was like, yeah, good, thank you. How was yours? And they were like, yeah, good. And they were like, you sure you're good? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, like actually someone threw a burger at me. And like, we Mm. both kind of laughed. And then I remember the next day, I, you know, typical me, I was like, I've got an issue with you. You laughed when I said her for a burger. And they were like, well, you laughed. You made it a thing. And I was like, oh, shit. We were both just a bit like, what do you do when someone does that? How do you react to that? You know, you get Arts Council funding. That's how you react. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. I think we're taught from films that you're meant to be really perfect at the response. And actually, I think I try and remind myself that it's okay to return to something two days later and go... I had a problem with that and that's not me being like annoying it's just like I'm sorry but that's how long it takes occasionally yeah do you know what I mean by that absolutely and I think that for me that show was actually that time to do that because actually I didn't really think about it straight after and you know I made the quit but I didn't think about making a show until two years after it happened and it wasn't until it was a year or so later I was um in a bit more of a close call when it came to a physical altercation on the streets of how I look. And mm. um, after that, all I could think about was when the burger was thrown. I wasn't thinking about this moment that was well, maybe on paper. More, more violent. Or dangerous yeah, yeah. It was more dangerous and a bit more of like a, oh, there's not really a funny way to tell this story. Like it was, it wasn't, didn't have the image, didn't have the pastel pinks, didn't have the mayonnaise, you know, it was a bit more like, <laughs> mm. oh crap. Like what? less glam. Yeah. Le- very less. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's less glam in Knife Point, I'll tell you that. But (laughs) I think if all of this stuff is happening to you, and I have a choice, you know, like you've seen it. The first thing we said was look at my outfit. Like I can either choose to reduce how I am or be Mm. like, this might happen, but you've got to find a way to to keep it it moving, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about you is that you're really fun and funny and upbeat. And I think that sometimes... I uh, and I've I've heard you say this as well but like sometimes I feel like the trans community are pulled into a heavy chat the whole time and it's like that it's it's so one dimensional and actually I'm you know I'm not just someone who pops up on news night to defend some stupid argument you're full of so much laughter and fun and that's what I love about you yeah and and it's exactly that like there is something it's not that it's funny that someone threw a burger at you but there is something mm. funny about how for me what is going on in the world that I must be able to make such a reaction for you that you have Mm. left the food that you had bought (laughs) and it's central London. So that's going to cost a bit. That's nine quid. Yeah, exactly. You've given your mortgage away in this burger to throw at me that there's something funny in that because, because what's going on, you know? (laughs) And also I think, well, two things. I I think also that, you know, the the way this, that sort of trans sort of coverage it always tends to be about the bad things and the negative things mm. and the sort of, and also of course rightly so because there's been so much of that mm-hmm. uh, of late but also i feel that that kind of uh, shadows the sort of the joy of trans the joy oh. of trans people and the kind of the the uh, the laughter and the great and the commu- sense of community yes. and the solidarity you know we don't hear enough about that because uh-huh. of that the other side Mm. so i mean you must know from being in the business you must have met so many joyous trans people influencing your career and life all the time right i bet absolutely Mm. and i feel like yes there's all this pain and yes we still can't go outside and not have things thrown at us and yes there are all these people debating us and talking about us in that way but i think when you decide 
to literally say you are not the gender you were told. You have, trans people are some of the most joyful people I know and have such ability to be like, bring levity and quick wittedness because nothing requires quick wit than like literally changing a gender, (laughs) you know, like it's a ride, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's a lot. And I think that there is so much joy, but also it's like, I think for me, the frustration has is because the coverage of us isn't controlled by us, it's controlled Mm, by other people. They decide the beat that we're in at. Whereas I first met trans people in nightclubs. I first met us when we were lighting up rooms with like talent and joy and laughter and and performance. That's when I realized I was trans, when I met other people Mm. in clubs. And there's so much joy there that you don't get to see in that conversation, you know? The age when I said I was trans was different to when I think looking back, I like knew I was not like maybe as simple as what I thought my gender was, but like, I, cause obviously yeah. I didn't come out, like I didn't try and address the first time and then regurgitate a Judith Butler essay. Like it took some time. <laughs> 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 yeah. Like I was 19 when I started like being like, okay. I mean, I thought I was a trans woman at first. I thought I was like ready to like look a certain way and do that. And then I met this person in, in California actually which is so cliche. God, I sound like a cliche, don't I? But I met this <laughs> met this person in California, and I remember we were doing like it was the first time I'd been told about pronouns, and I was like, they were like, before we hang out and do this event, we all go around and say our pronouns. I was like, what, what the fuck's a pronoun? And then this person said, mm-hmm. um, oh, by the way, just to let you know, I use them they as a pronoun, and I was like, what? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. What, what do you actually mean? Like that doesn't make sense. And the person was like, well, it it does. I like don't really like have gender on me. Like, it's just not a big deal for me. And it really messed with my head. Like I was like, Uh. I was like, that doesn't make sense. That's not it. Like you can't possibly, what? And I messed up a lot and I was, and then I realized that they pulled, this person who I'm always thankful for, they paused and they said, um, they said, why is it messing you up so much? Like, what's it tripping up? And then they asked back, they said, is it tripping up something in yourself? And my, I just burst into tears. I might have had a spliff, oh. but I did just burst. I just burst into tears. I was in California. I did say, you know, so I was, I was burst, you know, into tears. Yeah. And I realized that there was like this tension that I was holding because I was trying to decide what I was. And suddenly wow. when I realized that I didn't need to, like, I was like, wait, it can just be nothing. I can just be me. I can just be Travis. Mm. I can void it. My whole body like dropped, you know? Wow. So like a physical thing, physical feeling. Absolutely. Like I felt a tension, you know, I still felt it then. And I was like, cause I was just so fixated on like, am I this? Am I that? Do I need to look mm. like this? I'm definitely not this. So I must be this. And I've yes. really just was jumping between the two every day. Like, okay, I'm definitely not a man, but like, that means I must be a woman. Definitely. Not. And I was trying to come up with right. all these words. And then I was like, wait. Hello listeners, thank you very much. I think that draws part one of our Best Of to a close. If you want more of our lovely Best Of moments, head over to the feed and listen to part two, where we will not be disappointing. We've got Mel C, we've got Liz Carr, Beth Ditto, Paris Lees, Patty Smith and Debbie Harry coming up for you. What's not to love? Get on over there, I tell you. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Powered by Spirit Studios.